From the studios of Teeing It Up in the swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing Up with Jeremy Schilling for September 24th, the day after Tiger Woods won a damn golf tournament again. That's right. That's right. And Sean Davison is here to recap it. Hi, Sean. How's it going, Jeremy? I am good. So let me explain to folks yesterday. I had a baptism for a longtime friend of this show, Andrew Vizzano's daughter. A wonderful day. And I knew Tiger had a three-shot lead going in, obviously, and I was optimistic about it. And uh, Sean did not know this. And I get periodic texts from Sean and from other people. And then I get this text that goes, Justin Rose is, is collapsing. Tiger might win the FedEx Cup. I go, what? <laughs> the, I, for a weekend of astounding moments and astounding... Um, visuals and astounding experiences the thought that tiger woods could come from one week one year ago this week saying i'm the best 50 yard pitcher you'll ever see to now being a pga tour winner and nearly winning 11 and a half million dollars on on one day is just an amazing 12 months um what a year you know jeremy i I can't even tell you how many times at least four with all the different we have talked about this on the show about how important it is to stay patient and appreciate the little things and all the little signs of progress and and how every step forward is something that we should be encouraged about with Tiger and that it's impractical to expect him to win straight out of the gate even though there were tournaments such as Tampa and Bay Hill and for a little bit of time at TPC where it looked like he might come from behind or get the job done and it just didn't seem to happen. Then, of course, what a lot of people viewed as a letdown out at the Open Championship, coming up just short at the PGA. Stay patient, stay patient, stay patient. And a lot of times I would mention, he was outside the top 1,200 in the world before he teed it up at the Hero World Challenge, which was less than a year ago, calendar-wise, at his own tournament in the Bahamas. And now he's a tour winner again for the 80th time, ranked 13th in the world and finished second in the FedEx Cup by a grand total of 41 points. Uh, it's incredible the way he's reinvented himself and resurrected his career from what, four back surgeries, several knee surgeries, I think there might have been like an Achilles surgery in there at one yeah. point, and then of course the off-course issues with, you know, back in 2008, 2009, and then of course also there was the uh, painkiller issue where he was on a bunch of different painkillers and ended up, you know, on the on the street behind the wheel of his car asleep. And, you know, there's been so much that we've seen and so much that has led a lot of people to, you could even say rightfully doubt if we would ever see this again. But we have, and it's been the coolest thing all year long to watch him play again, watch him legitimately compete again, and now watch him win again. Yeah, and... Um I was just um, looking at the uh, Golf Channel and NBC press release for the Ryder Cup this week, and um, who would have thought that they gain Noda back as an announcer this week because Tiger's playing and not a vice captain, so he doesn't need to drive Tiger's cart, and they lose David Duvall from this week because he was Tiger's replacement as a vice captain. Who would have thunk that last December? I certainly wouldn't have, but I guarantee you this, 
with Tiger playing and Phil playing on that Ryder Cup team, they will put whoever they want in the booth. Yeah. I'm open. They'll just take those higher ratings because those two guys, Tiger especially, it's been said a million and one times. I'm not the first to have said it. He doesn't just move the needle. He is the needle. And when you get him and Phil playing on the same Ryder Cup team with guys like Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas, Ricky Fowler, um, it's going to be one heck of a Ryder Cup. And we're going to see a lot of these younger Americans who haven't really had a taste of it yet, the Tony Finals, the Bryson DeChambeau's, and probably the highest credentialed Ryder Cup rookie that uh, really probably shouldn't just be looked at as a Ryder Cup rookie, but oddly enough he is in Justin Thomas. Um, It's going to be a lot of fun to see a lot of these guys handle something that they haven't really been a part of before and to do it on foreign soil, no less. And then when you see how well Rory McIlroy's been playing of late and a lot of the other guys on the European team, um, it's going to be a lot of fun and a lot of big stars on both sides. And regardless of who they put in the booth or in the studio, NBC's going to have sky-high ratings, I assure you that. Yeah, and the ratings for yesterday were sky-high, too, which we'll get to it at one point. I'm curious, you were out there a bunch this year, and, and, and you have gotten to know some of the players and some of the wives and stuff, and, and you don't need to name names because that's, that's unfair to you and that's unfair to them um, and, who the, and, and who the players are. So let's just take this off the record in, in that sense. Could you sense that players thought that Tiger could do something this year, or were they genuinely surprised with how well he played in Tampa and Bay Hill and kind of how that's progressed over the course of the year? You know, that's a really good question, and I'm glad that you're, you're wanting me to put it in an off-the-record off the context. Um, but I will say this. I think a lot of those guys out there, you know, there's so many of them that live down in the South Florida area. So right. Whether um, they're playing at the Medalist or the Bears Club or Seminole or any of the number of fantastic golf courses down there, uh, you saw a collection of them welcoming Tiger off the 18th green yesterday, be it Fowler. Uh, Justin Thomas, etc. They saw him practice, they saw him round his game into form, and those are the guys that on the record would continue to say he looks really, really good. Um, But I think anybody who had any last remaining signs of doubt that either played on tour or followed the tour closely, um, go after the Hero World Challenge where he played, I think, I don't want to say surprisingly well, I think that was one of those things where we had sort of become accustomed to Tiger making a comeback and being five over in the first round, and, you know, then the back tightens up, and that's kind of what we had sadly begun to expect. You know, the first shot I remember seeing Tiger hit in the Hero World Challenge was the five-wood, I think it was, into the par five, and just striked it right up onto the green and ended up two-putting for birdie, and that's when I thought, oh, my gosh, this might be for real. Uh, Top ten did that week, and I think from that moment forward, everybody had the sense that this was going to be at least a little different, that this guy could, if he could get himself back in the competitive mindset and could sustain a season-long schedule um, and stay healthy throughout it, that this could be a different story because, you know, this time he actually had a different kind of surgery. He took more time, didn't rush it back. Um, But even so, you know, there were a lot of times with a lot of the folks that I know out there now that have sort of come and risen on the scene while Tiger has been hurt in dealing with all those issues that we're experiencing Tiger crowds and the raucousness of the galleries that, you know, short of a Ryder Cup or a major championship Sunday, they might not have experienced anymore. And 
I'm not so sure that there was surprise to see him back and doing this because I think to some degree none of us are shocked that of any athlete in any sport, Tiger Woods is the one that's reinvented himself and reinvigorated his career. But I think it was kind of, for some of them, a deer in the headlights look like, oh my gosh, this is what it used to be like. This is what we're dealing with now. But then on the other side of it, you just kind of embrace it because even though it is chaotic, even though it is hectic out there, it's so good for the game. You know, so I think there was a lot of people that expected him to compete, uh, and, and then he started playing as well as he did, and then they were exposed to it and paired with it and paired in front of it or right behind it, and then they got to experience Saturdays at, you know, say Valspar that they never experienced before. Um, but I think all the way throughout it, especially as he went from the hero, played reasonably well out in California, then went to the Honda, was in one of the later groups at the Honda, and then he played well at Valspar. He started stringing together those positive weeks where I think the beauty of where we are now is that because of a lot of those positive weeks early on in the season, nobody was really surprised that we got to where we got to. It's just incredible when you think back about 12 months ago where we were and where we are now. Yeah, um, it, it really, really is um, just astonishing to, to look at it through that arc and look at it through um, other people's eyes um, and, and to recognize and respect the fact that this guy had game and, and, and progressed. You know, for me, um, it was always one thing. And it was one shot or one thing, and you and you were there. You saw it Sunday at the Players. He plays seventeen differently. He plays some of that back nine differently. That could have been a different story when he made that little run there. Um, it was little pieces here and there, and he finally this week got it all together and had that hot uh, thirty on Saturday when he just got you know just just said this is my tournament goodbye and 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 said and said good night to, uh, to everybody. And I think that, to me, showcased a level of, um, of uh, the fact that he kept that round going. He, 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 he did bogey 16, but, but he kept the third round going. He had trouble finishing. And he was finally able to finish something that he started. And for me, that was big. That was one of those, he got over the hump moments. And for you, watching Tiger this year, having followed him, having... Um, followed him out of the ropes for years at home and then inside the ropes and then inside the booth and then everything you've done over the years. What was the inside the ropes moment, um, or sorry, what was the moment for you where he thought, wait, blah, 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 this is a horrible question I'm wording. What, what was the moment that, when you felt he had gotten over the hump and would win again on the PGA Tour? You know... I think at first, and I'll admit I was a prisoner of the moment, you know, when I was in Tampa and he played reasonably well on Saturday and stayed in contention and went into the final group on Sunday, um, and I believe he was paired with Corey Connors, and I thought, oh, gosh, you know, he, I'm seeing signs of old Tiger. He's paired with a guy who hasn't really been in this kind of spot before. I mean, and this is the kind of stuff that you would expect to see uh, based on what you saw back in 05, 06, 07. 
no disrespect to Corey Connors whatsoever. He still played respectably and reasonably very well at Tampa. But, I mean, what you expected to see based on your old prior memories was Tiger's going to eat this guy alive. And I think just looking at that in me, because it's not like I'm your casual fan that strolls up and, and goes to a random golf tournament. You know, I, I go to football and basketball, and if Tiger's playing, I'll go out to a golf tournament for a day kind of thing. Um, you know, I, I've been keeping track of this tour and golf around the world for, gosh, over a decade now. Um, but even so, I found myself getting caught in moment there, and then Tiger really just stuck in neutral on Sunday. Uh, so to your point, the moment where I realized he's going to win again, and he nearly did it overseas, was when he was able to put together, I think it was, what, a 65 or 66 on Saturday at the Open Championship when everybody else was shooting 68, 69, yeah. 60, something like that. To me, because he got off to a hot start, and sure, he lost a little steam, but it wasn't like TPC where he blitzed the course through about 13 holes on Sunday and then bogeyed 14 from about 70 yards out in the fairway and then didn't birdie 16, then doubled 17, then hit it in the water at 18. I mean, it wasn't like one of those things where everything fell apart. In fact, on 18 on Saturday, it could have fallen apart. He hit it in the thick rough, barely cleared the water, packed it out, hit a wedge to about five or six feet, made the putt for par, and that's when I thought, oh, that putt mattered, he drilled it dead center. And he found a way to manufacture that four to shoot, I think it was 66, when everybody else was shooting 69. And that moved him into one of the later groups, and I thought, okay, that's the moment where Tiger looked like Tiger of old more than ever. And then through about nine holes on Sunday, he kept it going. Um, so I knew at that point it was going to happen. It was just a matter of when. And, you know, I, I think I tweeted this and I joke about it. I mean, clearly, Tiger's a competitor. He would have loved to have won that tournament, Tampa, Bay Hills, TPC, all of them. And when you think about all the tournaments he nearly did win, could have, would have, should have won this year, but was still putting the pieces together. It's kind of ridiculous when you think about yes. how he's still putting the pieces together and yes. so close in so many tournaments, yes. by the way. Um, but I, I think I joked on Twitter about this. It's like, you always save the best for last, don't you? He saved his best. Yeah. Not that he intentionally did for the last week of the season and nearly took home $11 million with it. Uh, ominous. Uh, sorry, finish your thought. Oh, okay. I, I, I guess you were done with your thought. Uh, talking to Sean Davidson here on, on, on Teeing It Up about Tiger's win yesterday. I want to skip ahead to um, yesterday on, on 18. Um, security lost control, and you have been inside the ropes, outside the ropes, around the ropes. Um, Security in the PGA Tour is a really big deal. And if you've ever been to an event, you know how many cops are there. I don't think Tiger was ever at, at risk, per se, health-wise. But I have never seen any loss of control like that. I've never seen the ropes break down like that. And that scene of him trying to make his way through the crowd with those three sheriffs and everything they were doing, and that steady cam operator who kept it going and kept the steady cam steady through all that... That's one of the most remarkable scenes in sports of the whole year. Yeah, first of all, the guy who is operating the Steadicam is the hero that we all need. <laughs> um, first of all, I feel so bad 
Because usually they have youngsters as your standard bearers, and they'll get a golf ball or a signed glove. Yes. I would love to know what happened with that kid, because if you go back and watch the footage, as the crowd closes up behind Tiger, as he makes his way onto the green, you can actually see the kid with the standard bearer sign still stuck in the middle of the crowd. And I don't know if he got his way through the crowd, <laughs> security helped him get up to the green, if he ever got his signed glove or ball yeah. for his efforts. I mean, but you can see, if you go back, you can see the sea of people, and you can see the McElroy Wood sign in the middle of it. It's like, I don't know if this kid's going to get up there. No, and... But it, it was so... It was funny, but at the same time, it was... Like, I, I don't know if anybody who watched that live couldn't help but get a little choked up seeing that, simply because, you know, for me, I was watching that moment on the same couch in my apartment that I was sitting on when I tuned in to watch the early round coverage out in, I think it was Abu Dhabi, where Tiger went off and, I mean, just did not do anything well. I think he shot 77. He looked... Last on the leaderboard. He looked atrocious. And then pulled out on Friday. And I remember sitting on that same couch watching him that day because it was part of what was initially that latest comeback before he had the fusion surgery and thinking, what's going on? Are we ever going to see this guy again? And then, sure, it had been a couple of years, but I was back on that same couch in my apartment watching him win his 80th PGA Tour title after going literally through hell and back to get there. And to see the sea of people that through it all loved him, supported him, and cheered him on through thick and thin. And it was just the most beautiful representation of everything we love about sports. It Uh, really was. Yeah. It's it's really something to behold, and um, that 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 scene was so good for the sport yesterday. Um, and Tiger was joking back. I mean, Tiger was emotional, and I'm I'm sure he cried last night on the way to the airport to meet up with the rest of the Ryder Cup team. Um, uh, it's it's really something to to behold um, that this has happened, that those people got to see it, and that that he was truly emotional and grateful for it. Bob Harrig um, of ESPN tweeted out something on Saturday that, um, to your point about um, Abu Dhabi, which my mom, my mom watches sports when she wants to watch sports. She's a basketball nut, but but beyond that, she's a kind of she'll float in and float out. And she was watching that coverage from Abu Dhabi on that Wednesday night and said Tiger doesn't look good. Lee Trevino. Also had a similar back fusion surgery. Not not as young as Tiger. Not not the same circumstances. He told Golf Digest last year, my prediction, he'll come back in, in, in a blaze of glory. He's not too old. Far from it. If he gets fixed, when he comes back to hitting and feels no pain, he's going to be so happy that he may be more dangerous than he was before. And yesterday was the culmination of that coming true. You know, there's been plenty of times that, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of people just sort of associate Lee Trevino as being, you know, the aging jokester, if you will. And a lot of people forget that he used to be, before NBC hired Johnny Miller, 
NBC's lead analyst. Yeah. And he broke down this game for a living. And this isn't the first time that he's analyzed Tiger's game or what he thought Tiger needed and any other pro's game when they've struggled on occasion. You know, you'll see him come out with a quote. And I'll tell you what, I would say at least 90% of the time, if not 100% of the time, his thoughts, his analysis has been on the money. Um, and this one was something that he experienced uh, directly through having the same kind of surgery, of course, as you mentioned, at an older age. But that combined with there was a point in time in his life and his career when he was one of the very best golfers in the world. So he knows what it's like to compete and to have that hunger to win and to be the best. And, and you know, I think respect, I think more so than anything else, is what I take away from that kind of quote from Lee Trevino. Because he couldn't have been more accurate. Couldn't have been. Um, you know, it's along the lines of, you know, the amount of respect that you sort of have to give to a person like Steve Williams, you know, who was Tiger's caddy for the longest time and Greg Norman's caddy and, and spent a lot of time with kids in Australia um, and New Zealand, who was on the money about Lydia Ko and on the money about Brooks Kepka, where it's like, wow, this guy might have carried a bag for the majority of his professional life, but he knows what he's talking about. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. He, he could not have been more accurate, and I think it's going to be exciting to see where we go moving into the 2018-2019 season. It's crazy. It, it is really remarkable. Let's talk about yesterday. Because you texted me something that's, that felt like old times. Precision, boring golf. Birdied one and then just played precision golf. Nobody chased him. Nothing to worry about for most of that front nine up until 15. That was That's Tiger at his best. He gets a lead. He keeps a lead. He makes people chase after him. Sitting there yesterday, did you feel like you were 10 years younger? Yep. And I loved every second of it. You know, I, I, I'm surrounded by a lot of casual golf fans, especially in the college scene where college football and college basketball and college baseball at different times of the year reign supreme. And then a lot of the college students will tune in to see who wins the Masters or whatever. Um, you know, a lot of people who think that Tiger Woods is throwing it in reverse if he's not shooting seven under on a Sunday. And it's like, you don't understand. He doesn't have to. You know, he, he's that much of a competitor, and he is that smart that he knows exactly where to hit the ball and what he needs to do to manage his game around the golf course where he's not going to come back to the field at all. And he's going to force them to chase him. And whenever he has the opportunity to make a putt like he did on one and like he did, I believe it was 14 or 15 that he made a birdie um, on the back nine, he'll make those putts. And if he shoots the final round... 68 on a par 70, then if he's leading you by three, you got to somehow find a way to shoot a 65. But you're not going to see Tiger Woods with the lead shoot 78 and come back to you. It's not going to happen. He does a lot of his work through the first three rounds, and yeah, there's been plenty of Sundays that he's gone out there and shot a 63 or a 64 with the lead. But that's the beauty of, of the way he competes and kind of how he never sort of takes a day off, really. I mean, he does what he needs to do and manages himself perfectly. And if there was really anybody aside from Billy Horschel, or if there's anything that anybody did aside from Billy Horschel, you know, Tiger Woods just sort of kept it neutral, and a lot of guys backed up. And then Billy Horschel put a late charge together. Dustin Johnson did a little bit as well. 
toward the very end of the round, but it was never threatened. It was as leisurely a final round as you could possibly imagine until he got to the last two or three holes where Horschel made a couple of birdies and then, you know, barely cleared the water on the par three and, you know, it got a little unnecessarily interesting and I think Tiger would be the first one to say it. It wasn't um, the most stylish of closing stretches for him. But at that point in time, I think it was about something bigger and he still made the key putts that mattered, even if they were for both or a five-footer for par, you know? So there was something nostalgic about it, and uh, yet there was something very new to it as well, which made it all, all the more better, you know? Yeah, um, and I think more than that also um, is that um, he did it healthy. <laughs> he didn't have to withdraw from one damn event this year. Think about that. It wasn't even close. That's astounding, Sean. Then think about that. We went through this whole season. He did not have to withdraw from an event once. And so to be able to play the type of golf he wanted to play on days like yesterday, to be able to play the type of golf he knows he can because he's pain-free and not... And, and, and hit a shot out of, out of thick, rough, or awkward lies knowing it won't hurt him. I mean, what a benefit. Of course it makes Sundays easier when you have a lead. Yeah, and, and, and remember, before we went into the playoffs, you and I were talking about to manage himself and to keep himself from perhaps hurting himself. It might be the ideal move to skip a Barclays or a skip a Boston or skip a BMW uh, just to break up that four-week schedule in addition to the bye week going into uh, Atlanta. He played them all. Yeah. It's, it's really... What what he's done um, is astounding and, 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 and what he's done this year has been just awesome to see and awesome for all of us. A couple quickies before uh, we let you go. Um... Rory McIlroy has had a problem this year finishing uh, at times. He he shot that horrible round on Sunday at the Masters. He did not play well yesterday. I saw none of it. Uh, what was his problem yesterday, and what's your read on Rory going into the Ryder Cup? You know, I'll be honest with you. For the first half of yesterday's round, I was working volleyball. Okay. Uh, called an ATC Network volleyball match between FSU and Wake Forest. Uh, so by the time I got there or got back to my apartment, you know, I think a lot of the damage is already done for Rory. But, you know, from what I gathered from the back nine and from what folks like Johnny and Peter Jacobson and Gary Koch were saying was just couldn't get a putt to fall. You know, I, I think he made a putt on 16 or 17. And uh, I think Johnny asked, I, think, I guess it would have been Gary at 17, you know, what's been his problem? And... He made about a seven or eight footer, and Gary responded, he just hasn't done enough of that. And, uh, you know, I, that would not be the first time. That's Rory's year. Yeah, no, yeah. You, you said it exactly. So, that's, uh, I, I have a feeling based on what I saw and what I'd heard that, you know, the wheel sort of fell off the putter for Rory. And uh, that's unfortunate, because if you go back to 2012 and 2014, uh, he was putting the lights out, and I have no doubt. You know, the great ones, as we are, we've been talking about for the last 
20 or so minutes, and I would definitely lump Rory into that conversation of one of the greatest golfers we've ever seen. If he can stay healthy, if he can keep the mind straight, you know, he's still very young and has plenty of time to, Lord only knows how many more majors and how many more tournaments he's going to win. Um, they always find a way. And I know and I believe that he will too. It's just not been the year that he would have preferred. And that's just going to make him hungrier next year. Um, the key is going to be to not prep too hard where you're wanting it so bad that you're getting in your own way. And uh, I think, you know, once we get through the Ryder Cup, I think the Ryder Cup can be very therapeutic for him. Same for Sergio. Something else yep. for country, uh, for continent, for a little piece of gold trophy that has been traded back and forth across the pond for years and years and years. Um, you know, I think that'll be very therapeutic for him. And then taking some time off to get healthy, both physically and mentally. I'm not saying that he's, you know, mentally troubled, but I think golf can really put you in a spot where you're not the happiest of human beings. And uh, just take that mental breath and come on out, renewed, refreshed. His swing is immaculate. It's one of the best that you're going to see, not just in this era or pretty much from any era to that point. Um, and I think he'll be fine. It's just, you know, take some time, enjoy the Ryder Cup on your home-ish soil. I know he's from Northern Ireland, but Europe. And uh, and try to use that as a catalyst for the weeks and months to come. Last question, um, and, and it's a quickie. The U.S. player that I'm most uh, concerned about... Um, the U.S. player you're most concerned about this week and the European player you're most concerned about this week. I'm most concerned about Sergio and Stenson on the European side. And I'm very curious to see where Jordan Spieth's head is at. Uh, he has not had a good year. He was home in Dallas last week, able to regroup. Very curious to see how Jordan plays this week. Who are you, who are you most concerned about uh, on each side? So... You and I are pretty much in agreement on the European side. Um, you know, to me, I think I'm less concerned about those guys than I am my American. I'll get to him in a second. Uh, simply because after the Masters, I know he um, is a recent father, and life has probably been going a mile a minute for him. You know, Sergio, I think he'll be the first to admit he hasn't played nearly as well as he would have liked to in the aftermath or in the wake of that Masters victory. Um, Stenson just hasn't had the kind of year that he would have preferred to have. Uh, and then, you know, just to throw in another name there, just somebody I'm curious to see in this kind of stage for the first time is an Alex Noren. He could be a stud for him, and the moment could be a little awkward for him. You know, who knows? I, I've never really seen an Alex Noren, you know, in that kind of moment before. And that's always something that it's like, I don't know how this guy's going to respond. Um, I think on the American side, yeah, there's a little concern for me for Jordan Speed, But let's be honest, he'll probably be paired with Patrick Reed for the first day or two. And somehow, someway, even if neither of them are playing well, um, they will bring the best out of each other. That's just one of those pairings that you know what you're going to get out of them. And I have a feeling that we're going to see more sensational golf out of both. And in talking about the catalyst of great play to come, that I would hope that the Ryder Cup would be for Rory. I think the week off plus something like the Ryder Cup could be incredible for Jordan Spieth. And I think it could get Patrick Reed back in gear because I think he would also be one of the first ones to tell you that he didn't play nearly as well in the playoffs as he would have preferred to. Um, so those guys 
yeah, I'm a little concerned just because they haven't exactly exhibited the best form. Um, but to me, the guy on the American side that that I wonder about, I don't know if it's concerned, is Bryson DeChambeau. Not familiar with something like a Ryder Cup. Um, and I just sort of, you know, whether it was the debacle at the European Tour event that slipped through his fingers um, and just how overly analytical I think he can be. I mean, I, I love that he is the science man in golf, you know. But there's a certain point in time in an event like a Ryder Cup where I almost feel like you're better off keeping things simple and just, you know, visualizing a shot and executing and trusting yourself. And to me, if he gets himself in a spot on a stage like the Ryder Cup and overseas especially, where he's overthinking what he's doing, it could be a long week for him. But I also think, as fiery as he is, we could see him play the same way we saw Jordan Spieth play in 2014, where you could have arguably said the same thing about Jordan Spieth. So I'm curious. I'm not necessarily sure if I'm concerned, but I'm very intrigued to see how Bryson DeChambeau is going to play. And I'm also very curious, as you mentioned, to see how Spieth will come off the week off, uh, Patrick Reed, see if he can get himself rounded into form. And then let's also be honest, Phil Mickelson has not been playing particularly great golf of late. Nope. What is he going to look like in the Ryder Cup as well? So uh, there's some guys that you definitely have some question marks on for both teams. And as we've seen time and time again, Ryder Cup will arguably boil down to which of those question marks can turn into an exclamation point on Sunday. Sean Davison, we will see you next Monday in this spot to talk about just that, who did it right, who did it wrong, and why whatever side uh, came out on top. But for now, it's all about Tiger becoming a golfer that wins things once again. Sean, thanks as always for coming on Teeing It Up. Thank you, Jeremy. And thank you for uh, listening to this episode of Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling.